The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Remember to call us on 86 2032 This is The Viewpoint with Song Azumabeka. The WhatsApp facility, very quiet this evening. I don't know. There's a, this thing could be down, frankly speaking. We haven't had a message come through in excess of an hour now. 0614-104-107. You can drop us a WhatsApp voice note or send us a message, please, as we look to engage Mr. Robin Pitto, P-I-T-O-T, Pitto. That's what Lesejo said, and I hope I've pronounced that right. Content manager at Edufundi. Edufundi works in schools across the country, providing mentoring support to both teachers and school management teams. This is known as the Edufundi Support Program. We know that education in South Africa, of course, is experiencing serious challenges, not least occasioned by COVID-19. Let's talk about the work that you guys do at Edufundi. Thank you so much for your time, Robin. Let's talk about the EduFundi support program because when you talk about support for teachers and school management teams, perhaps it is a conversation I might even concede we don't have often enough because, one, the state of education, particularly in your quintile one, two, and three schools, is, 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 is it's tough out there. There are some schools that are under trees, some schools that have infrastructure is threadbare at best. And then you've got teachers who somehow need to operate in this environment and compete with other teachers who've got far better facilities to engage their work and management teams in an environment that's not optimal, shall I say, for education. Your engagement, your intervention is now targeted at teachers and school management. But of course, these teachers are coming from different backgrounds themselves in the education setup. Tell us now about the program and its comprehensiveness. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, EduFundi started in the 1990s um, and we've been supporting teachers ever since. Um, our main focus obviously is on developing learners. Ultimately, our endpoint is to improve learner performance um, and improve learner outcomes, but we do that through developing teachers and school leadership teams. So what we do is we partner with a group of schools for three years and over that time we personally mental one-on-one um, the, the teachers on the staff they go through a full mentorship program where we do uh, teaching practice with them in their own context in their own classrooms meeting their own needs and at the same time we have a group of coaches who work with the school leadership team and the focus there is on developing the school leaders so that they can provide the conditions necessary for the teachers and learners to be able to thrive there is so much focus on curriculum coverage and on ticking boxes and on jumping through fiery hoops that very often the focus shifts away from learners actually learning. Um, And that's the main focus of our program. It's to get that basic philosophy of teaching into schools, into the school culture, so that learners can thrive. Where did we lose it? I mean, when you say get that teaching philosophy back, what that presupposes is it is not there. Where was it lost? How was it lost? How long has it been lost for? And what do you propose to do to get it back? What is the environment in which you are really operating that allowed for for these values to dissipate and now you're bringing them back? If you will, we are a bird here and we are looking down. What's going on in the profession? 
I think there are multiple things happening on multiple levels. Um, first of all, we're in an incredibly challenging country, um, and the 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 discrepancies between the different um, types of schools and the different areas where schools are, the different training that teachers have received over the years, um, makes for totally different experiences by learners. Um, there are many teachers who went into the profession not because that was what they felt a calling for, but because that was what was available to them. Um, we have extremely demanding uh, systems and structures in the education department. Um, we have this desperate desire as a country to have top quality education, to have learners who can compete with the rest of the world, um, to produce future members of society that can move our country forward. And there's a huge amount of pressure on the education system to provide all of that. Um, but sometimes to our own detriment, because then the focus becomes more about the outcomes and the marks and the content coverage. And it shifts away from what the heart of teaching really is, which is to inspire learning. Because once children are inspired to learn and they have a positive attitude towards learning, then no obstacles stand in their way. I really would like some of the teachers to participate in this conversation or those who have views as to the teaching profession. And I don't think anybody here would not have an a relationship with a teacher or the teaching setup or profession or the school setup for that matter. So please do participate. 86 2032 calls. I'm especially looking forward to because we have the content manager at Edufundi, Miss Robin Peter. Let's shift the goalposts ever so slightly to understand the context of everything that you have said. What is the contribution, if any, of trade unions in the teaching profession? Are they advancing the profession? Because we're talking about their members here. You are dealing with teachers and school management teams. Ultimately, these are all still teachers. They belong to unions that ultimately should be looking at these aspects of teacher development, teacher welfare, and everything in between all of that. Is this a partner? Is this a stumbling block to this engagement? We would like to think of it more as a partnership. Um, that is obviously the ideal. So the, the unions have access to a huge amount of resources, um, expertise. They have relationships with people who can make the kinds of decisions that can really impact what goes on in a classroom. Um, but like in any system, you have those who are in it with purity um, as their motivation. And they are really working hard to do the best they can. And then you have, have those who have a very different agenda. And often the two clash. And that's where I think there are only losers in that kind of environment. What has been the overall experience when you're engaging school setups, particularly your lower quintile schools, and engaging the, 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 the teacher union representatives at the school, those who come from outside the school to engage, who try and just verify if you're not an agent of some agenda which is different to mm -hmm. theirs, who try and quality control you, try and manage your messaging to their membership? What has that experience been like with them? Well, I think the, the first mindset there is, is that it's wonderful that teachers have people who are looking out for them. That when you, when you have union members and, and site stewards whose, whose role is to protect the interests of the teacher, um, I think when they're playing that role well, that's, that's a great testament to them. And so they should be eyeing us with great suspicion. 
Um, and so we, we found that when we first start engaging with the school, we often do get the, the BDI from mm. the union representatives, especially because we work in classrooms. And there's, there's a, an enormous amount of fear around that because of differing agendas, because of how in the past it is linked to salaries and it's linked to promotions. And it's, it has so many negative connotations. And so we spend a huge amount of energy deliberately building trust. Um, we, we focus on trust. We focus on relationship. We, we are very open about who we are and what we're doing. We say, this is it. You can interrogate us as much as you, as you need to in order to feel comfortable. Come and see what we're doing. We have nothing to hide. And I think because we're going in there with such an open agenda, it doesn't take very long for even the most skeptical people to realize what we're actually all about. Um, and, and everything's open. Even even our our um, results are open for people to see. I mean, obviously protecting those involved, but you can see what the impact is. You can see what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Um, and and you can question any one of our mentors who's going into the classroom, and they'll be able to give you the same response. The question is: Are you a teacher? What is your experience of being a teacher in a South African classroom? What support would you hope to get? What would you wish for the system to rid itself of? If you are not a teacher, are you involved in the education setup? We're talking about basic education, of course. And what are some of the interventions you would like the stakeholders to basic education in South Africa to consider for the betterment of the teaching profession, for the betterment of education outcomes, and for the school to again, I say again because it certainly was and it isn't as much now as it might have been before, to be a respectable center of value to the public. That's the essential question here, and we would love your contributions, please, on 86 We've got calls coming through. I'll take one for now. That's Peter in Durban. Good evening, evening Peter. How are you? Well, sir, how's it? Yeah. yeah, fine, thank you, and you. Good, good. Your thoughts, please. Um, look, my, my sense is, is education, of course, subject matter, etc. But young people, and in my experience is particularly the sort of high school teenage years, etc., is is that they do need a sense of decorum, discipline. Teenagers need to know where the barriers are, the parameters are, in terms of you know how far they can go, etc. We're living in a society in this country. And perhaps not just this country, all over the world, where those barriers are breaking down. I mean, there's a sense of a lack of discipline. Um, and kids are not being given a sense of decorum. And parents are not playing ball because the moment a teacher or headmaster tries to to take action, you don't get the cooperation. In fact, often the parent attacks the school and says, how dare you treat my child like this? And, you know, the, the child is not given... The, the direction about the importance of discipline. And so teachers are caught in a, between a rock and a hard place because they're trying to teach something about values, value systems, etc. Um, and, and, and they're not getting that support. It's a team effort between parents and, and the school. If that's not there, um, you've, got a, you've got a real problem. And, and I, I think in this country, social media doesn't help and all the views that go come across the media, etc., Kids are confused. They're seriously confused. Um, confused by they, what? They need, sorry? Confused by what? 
Well, well, I suppose in a sense confused about basic right and wrong. I mean, you know, you, you, we, we talk about morals and values, and people have different ideas about life. But there's certain, there's certain things that are right or wrong. And in, in, in this society, there's no right or wrong. Anything goes. My, my values are my values, and it doesn't matter if you disagree with me, but mm. basically, if I feel that, and that's what I feel, you need to tell me what it's, it's the thing of relativism. It's a very dangerous thing. I'm not talking about draconian type of discipline, Petra, but what I'm saying is there are certain basic values between right and wrong. When you take theft, corruption, etc., in this country, I mean, we know these things are wrong. Yeah. But are we really teaching our children this? And, and are we able to get across to them a sense of, of discipline? Uh, discipline's breaking down, in my view. That, that's my experience. Let me bring in my supportive parents. No, sure. Thanks, Peter. Let me move on. Let me bring in Robin, and I'm sure there are more callers who are going to engage. And thanks for a very thought-provoking call. So what the pupil brings into the classroom, Robin, if I may just try and summarize, and of course you heard him, so you'll disagree if I've got it wrong. Peter is saying that the child is also challenged in the environment he or she finds oneself in because... The value system of his or her society doesn't quite advance, if you like, this specific environment that is the teaching and the facilitation of learning. Therefore, in other words, they're coming from a society that does not reflect what would be the ideals of a teaching profession because of their homes or the environment around their homes. He also mentions the importance, therefore, of parenting. How much then, when you are in the classroom engaging the teachers, are you finding that some of the obstacles to optimal learning facilitation are not with the teacher, but rather the system the teacher finds oneself in, or the profile of the learners that the teacher has to deal with, coupled with the fact that they come from homes that are not a partner, not a partner in the sense that the parents are probably not there or possibly not there, Parents have never been to school, so they've got a very different relationship to what you and I might with the school setup. There are social problems in that home, and for the child, it is an escape to be at school as opposed to be at home. And then before long, what you're truly engaging with here is a social development issue in a school setup. That is a multi-layered, sure. <laughs> a very multi-layered um, a set of, of, of issues. Take your there. time. Um, well, I, I think the mo my most direct response to that would be that in any environment, you're going to have people coming with a multitude of beliefs, values, experiences, cultures, all those things that on a very, very deep level will affect how they're showing up whether that's a grade R learner or a teacher at a university, a lecturer at university, it's the same principle is going to apply. Um, so certainly from our approach, I can't speak for all schools. I can certainly speak for, for the ones in which we work. Mm. Our focus there is to, to accept the fact that everyone is coming from a different place, that it, the place where everyone is coming from will be affecting how they are engaging where they are. But instead of trying to dance around all of that, we're aiming to create a specific culture within a school and within a classroom. 
So we're saying no matter where you come from, no matter what your social beliefs are, no matter what your cultural beliefs are, no matter what's going on outside of this place, when we are here, this is a place of learning. This is a place where the teacher and the learner are on the same side. Hmm. This is a place where everything, it's not about power, it's not about so even discipline, it's, it's not about any of those other, other issues. It's all about how we get learning to happen in an optimal way. Um, so even our approach to discipline, um, we, we have a, a whole series of techniques that we share with our teachers because discipline is an issue in the schools in which we work. Um, and we've gone from the corporal punishment to a non-corporal punishment, and teachers are at a loss. They're not entirely sure what to do. And, and so even there, the focus isn't on what are your beliefs about discipline. The focus is on what is necessary in order for learning to take place, and that is relationship. And so all discipline is based on developing a more positive relationship between the teacher, the learning, and everyone's perception of, the, of, of what a learning environment is. Okay. Um, so by focusing on learning, it becomes a lot less of a trigger, I think. Um, sure. it's, less emo- it's less emotional. It's less complicated. We all then are, are, on, a common, are on common ground. Uh, and that culture then starts moving through the entire school. Let's take more calls because I, I really do want to engage on the other side of these calls, hopefully, how then we, we, we empower the, 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 the school management, the leader of that setup, more particularly with all the challenges that I've lamented inside the school, outside the school, the systemic challenges, the system-based challenges or obligations that he or she must meet, and yet not necessarily having the resources to back that all up. That is an important point. I'll deal with it just now. Vika Samjojo from Durban, who's a maths teacher, is on the line, as is Lazarus. Emma Lathleni, Vikas first, and then Lazarus. Vikas, good evening. Yes, it's Vikas here. Mm. How are you? Good, man. How's it? Good. No, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm not a qualified teacher. I'm a, I'm a tutor. I'm a maths tutor. Maths tutor. Okay. Very well. Thank yeah. you. And from my experience, what I've seen is that the relationship you're probably talking about should be about what the student is learning and whatever they wish to become when they finish, when they graduate, or whatever profession they want to be in. So when I teach these young people mathematics, I like to use examples that are related to their dreams and it works so i wanted to say and then i was hoping students also learn maybe in geography or whatever it is about the possibility of having a freeway from cape town to egypt which some politicians may have discussed it already and this can become normal for all the african students very good Thank you so much for your thoughts, Vickers. Much appreciated. Lazarus, Emma Lachleni. Thank you, Songezo. One issue which I wanted to bring forth is the issue of mother tongue education. What happens, we have 11 plus official languages. And we find it that schools have big challenges in implementing this mother tongue education. Let's say one finds himself in Ituchwa. Mm. 
there, if I have children with me there, and I'm a Shitsonga-speaking person, I'll probably not find a school that offers that there. So in the past, I actually tried to engage even the minister, suggesting that he probably it will be best to establish language institutes in different areas of our country where all languages could be offered. And though a specific school would not be able to offer that language, people or children could actually go to that institute and learn the language of their choice. So I'm not sure what your guest thinks about that. Let's give an opportunity to reply. Robin, you heard that. Your thoughts, please. Thank you so much, Lazarus. Thank you. Robin, are you there? I, I am here. Sure. Your thoughts? Yes. Um, I think in an, it would be absolutely ideal for learners, especially in the younger years, to be able to learn in their mother tongue because there there is such a relationship between the development of language and the development of, of critical thinking um, and the, the, the formation of different thinking structures. And we do children a disservice when, we, when they aren't able to learn in their mother tongue. That being said, however, there are also benefits to learning in different languages. Um, so, for example, the complexity of mathematical language, of, of mathematical terminology um, in many of the African languages, that just the way numbers are pronounced is very much more complex than in a, a language such as English and Afrikaans. Um, Mandarin Chinese apparently has the most economical way of expressing mathematical terms. Um, which is one of the reasons why Chinese people are said to be uh, so skilled at mathematics. Um, so it's again, it's a very complex issue. I think in an ideal world, children should be able to learn in, in their mother tongue uh, until such time as, as, as they're old enough to then take those thoughts and translate them into another language. But practically wise, in South Africa, where we have so many limitations on us, there's a limit to how much we can achieve that. Um, and I think sometimes in trying to reach the ideal, we're doing less rather than doing more. Um, and that's not through lack of wanting to or believing in it. It's simply through the circumstances in which we find ourselves. What you have just said at some level becomes the province of the leadership of a particular school. This is what they need to be able to take this school and its results to this position, this school and the center of the pupil that comes out to then be able to engage and contribute positively into the environment. They can do a needs analysis and identify all of that. The needs themselves might not necessarily reach the setup in the time or if ever. How then do you empower the educator to be industrious to the extent relevant to be patient where required or somehow just do without and let him or her know that this is not happening in the setup and yet still be able to lead the institution despite it all how do you engage them at that level Oi, um let me think through this I appreciate so, that. I, I appreciate that because <laughs> you, you, you will go into an, an environment where ABC process, if you like, has worked with you there. 
But, I mean, mm-hmm. they're very different environments with every school, I just about want to say. And and, and you have to, first of all, the, 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 the leadership of that school will feel seen by you being there. That is great. But beyond that, where is the empowerment when they've got such a multitude and multiplicity mm. of structural challenges, a lot of which has been inherited from the apartheid days and even more, if you will, created by just the lack of coherence in this dispensation? Um, I think there are two ways to approach this question. Um, the first is what our philosophy is as an organization. So there are many NGOs around the country that are doing amazing work in the education sector. And everyone has a slightly different focus. There are some that that go into few schools but focus on many different things and address many different issues. And then there's more the model that we follow, which is we, we look to go into more schools and address more environments, but our focus is really quite specific. So when we're going into a school, we are very clear that our focus is on teaching and learning. And in our work with the the school management teams, it's on instructional leadership. So leadership to do with what takes place in the classroom and improving learner outcomes. So there are many things that we don't directly engage in in our support of the SNTs. Now, that's not to say we're not supporting them in those areas, simply because they have an ally. They have a reliable ally who is open to having conversations. And I think that's one of the greatest ways anybody mm. can support the teachers at the teachers and the school leaders. Tell us quickly then about this documentary because I was actually asking this question as a segue to Guazilians celebrating Durban schools following two principals who, despite the deep hardships, have ensured that their learners can continue coming to school to learn. Well, the, this um, th- this particular doc- documentary arose from um, it, it was something that went around earlier this year. Um, it was just the term quasilience, and the definition that was given in the term was really quite depressing. Um, and it was something around those in KwaZulu-Natal who have developed some kind of numbness in order to cope with the the, the major challenges that we've encountered over the last three years. Um, now, this isn't to say that people in other parts of the country haven't encountered major challenges too. Mm. It's just we, we had the three major blows. So we had COVID, then we had the riots, and then we had the floods. And it was interesting to note, because we operate in four different provinces around the country, it was interesting to note how the teachers in KwaZulu-Natal were responding to their circumstances compared to our teachers in Gauteng, Eastern Cape, and Western Cape, and their circumstances. And we were really, really impressed. I think impressed is an absolute understatement. Mm. Um, with just how the, the school leaders, the teachers, the learners, the communities were responding to the kinds of things that would give anybody permission to roll over and say, I've had enough. That no matter what was happening to them, they were getting up every morning, they were going to school, and they were giving everything they could to their learners over and over and over again. Um, and when we and when we saw this happening, especially after the floods, when there was so much devastation in the areas in which we work, um, and we saw teachers going in waist deep in mud and 
sort of piecing together bits of classrooms in order to get learning to happen, going out and finding learners who weren't able to come to school, um, finding uniforms for them, getting them clothed, getting them fed, making sure that they were okay. Just the way communities came together um, and the way everyone just, the, they showed up as the best version of themselves, it was astounding. And, and I think it was an incredible thing to show the rest of the world um, and to say this is what can happen when people believe mm. that, that you have to keep going. Fantastic. Robin, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Thoroughly appreciate it. I mean, there clearly is a lot of content that we can engage when we talk about South African schools only because we know all too well the potential of South Africa, which is not really optimized by the training grounds that the schools should be offering, but are not. For now, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time, Robin. Thank you so very much. Before before we close off, may I please have permission for one closing word? Yes. Because this is something that I do feel very passionate about. You said right in the beginning that every everybody has had some engagement with schools. And so we all have our opinions about what schools are and teachers and the teaching profession and all of that. What South Africa really needs more than anything else is people who believe in teachers. They need support more than criticism. They need people to seek to understand rather than to judge what's going on. <laughs> there are things going on that the majority of the country has no idea about. And that goes for every type of school. But in our pockets and seek to understand what is going on and do our part in whatever small way that might be to, to contribute rather than to take. Fantastic. No, that, that's an important point and a nice way just to allow us and our own prejudices to just be in check very briefly and understand that we don't always know everything and the environment is a very tricky one. Thank you so much, Ms. Robin Pito, Content Manager at Edufundi.